Welcome to The Practice Podcast, a show created by lawyers to help lawyers in life and business without all the complicated lawyer language. Let's welcome Bast Amron founders and your hosts, Jeff Bast and Brett Amron. Hi, this is Brett Amron and welcome to The Practice Podcast. And I'm Jeff Bast. And today we have a special guest. Our guest today is Mark White. Mark is the CEO of Health Gains, Gains Wave, and Vitality Connect. He is truly passionate about helping people live healthier lives. And he he created these businesses over 20 years ago to promote life-changing anti-aging treatments like Gains Wave, which is a premium brand of shockwave therapy used to treat erectile dysfunction and optimize sexual performance. Unfortunately, we're not here to talk about that today, but Mark is a true, true entrepreneur. He has started many successful business. He's also a successful podcaster. He hosts an excellent podcast that I follow called Health Hacks with Mark White. I regularly listen to it. It's full full of health hacks. It's aptly named. But Mark has been in business for a long time, and we wanted to invite him on the podcast to talk about topics related to business and law. So welcome, Mark. Welcome, Mark. Thank you guys for having me on the show. Very exciting. We are excited to have you. So Mark, when we first started talking about having you on, uh, you know, we, we know that you've dealt with a lot of lawyers in a variety of capacities. We've, you know, you've, uh, sometimes it's fun where you're acquiring a business or a property and sometimes it's not so fun where maybe you're, you're dealing with litigation, but do you want to just share with us, uh, share with the listeners, just a sort of an overview of your exposure to, to lawyers? Sure. And I think like my thing is the less time you're spending with lawyers, the more time you're spending building your business. So I, I particularly don't like spending time with lawyers. I, I love you guys, but um, <laughs> you know, it's welcome it's, to the club, Mark. It's a large organization. Yeah, we, we should note that Mark is not a client of ours. And so anything he says is not about us. Right? Yeah, I mean, Mark, that's a great point. Lawyers and, and, and most, most of the time people don't want to deal with lawyers. We're kind of like insurance, right? It's something you have to have. You need it, but you don't want to ever have to use it. Yeah, and I think I, what I've learned in 20 years is that the more you plan, the less you have to steal, um, spend time in the weeds with attorneys because they do do a great job of protecting you from future problems. You know, when we started our business 20 years ago, like you don't think you need a lawyer. You just download stuff off the internet. You download your partnership agreement off the internet, find your lease agreement off the internet. You go with what you have. Like, you know, I remember when we started, there were like four of us. We had, I don't think we really used an attorney. We had an accountant who turns out as you grow, the accountant's not that good. You get rid of them, you, you level up and you get a better accountant. And I think when we started using attorneys, Probably, you know, has you gotten bigger, you need attorneys for your for your non-compete clauses with your employees. And I think that was like the first time I realized we need to really plan out like our legal strategy. Was there an event or some, you know, did something happen that triggered, you know, this sort of change, you know, not just growing as a company, but did something happen that you you guys looked at each other, your partners and said, look, I we can't just pull stuff off the internet anymore. We really need good, competent counsel to help us here. First of all, we're in a regulated business in medicine. So we did hire an attorney to kind of look and make sure that everything we were doing complied with state and federal laws. And that was valuable. He was really good. But then that same attorney did that. I said, you know, by the way, do you, 
do a non-compete for my employees, but he's, he comes from like regulation side. So he gave me a non-compete that like, if you hire an employee, you want to make sure he's not soliciting your clients. He's not competing against you. So we had him sign a non-compete like we do with all employees. I think this is like 2000, 2009, 2010, 2010. You know, we asked him to come to a meeting at 8.30 in the morning, a salesman, and he said, I can't come. I, I have to take my daughter to school. I can't come to your 8.30 meetings. And I said, well, it's a requirement. You, if you can't come, you really are not going to have a job here. So the guy yelled at me, threatened me, and then walked out, and we fired him. And then we go and find out he was starting up a competitive business, and he stole a database of clients. So you know, I had the attorney say, look, you're breaking your non-compete. And then he turned around and said, you fired me because I'm a guy and you're sexually discriminating because you don't make women come to the sales meeting, even though we had no women on our sales team. So that was really the first time I I dealt with any type of what you would call getting lawyers involved. You know, one thing I learned was that the non-compete he signed was really not that valuable because it was too broad. And it was just, it was like a, a boilerplate non-compete because I didn't hire an employment lawyer to draft that. It was my regulation lawyer to draft it. So I don't think he understood the ins and outs of employment law. Um, I also learned a lot about making sure you have, like I learned a lot in that segue because we didn't, the first thing that happened was, you know, he started to say, well, we discriminated against them. The first thing is, do you have an an employment handbook? We didn't have an employment handbook. What I learned is that when you don't have things, like you don't have your employee handbook and you don't have like a good process at HR, which at the time we didn't, it gives lawyers the ability to just create stories about you. And it turned out to be an expensive, we ended up settling and paying him, even though he stole our database, but we had to spend a lot of time and money. It took us eight months and it was, it was no fun. So the idea, right, is that you need a good lawyer the right lawyer, I should say, for the job when you're documenting things and going into it to hopefully prevent or you know give you guys a better chance on the backside should litigation arise. Is that sort of the message? Yeah, not all lawyers are created equal. It's kind of right. like a football team. Like the guy could be a great quarterback, but you don't make him your linebacker. Right. Uh, it's like, okay. You know, we need an employment lawyer to come in here and tell us, okay, this is how you set up your HR strategy to make sure that you're not discriminated against people inadvertently. We don't, you know, we, we're very, you know, we don't discriminate at all and we're a very diverse company. But I think also making sure we have an employee handbook, making sure that all the agreements we have are with our employees comply with the law. And I, I think only an employment attorney really understands that. Whereas that guy is not going to be the guy telling you how you should you know, com- comply with regulations for your clinic. You need a guy who knows that. Yeah. And most small businesses, look, obviously the ideal would be to have a, an in-house lawyer who you know, identifies the areas where you need a lawyer. Because sometimes I think a lot of businesses don't know, and this you probably were the, the perfect example of that when you first started. You don't even know that you need a lawyer. You know, you figured, like you just said, you could find a contract and have them sign it or have somebody send you a form of NDA. A lot of people get a copy from their friend in a different business and it's not really applicable. But I think 
what sophisticated business owners learn eventually is that you need good documents. And the reason you have a document, non-compete or an employment manual or whatever it is, is so that when there is a dispute, that document protects you. And actually, the, I think that the whole idea from, from maybe I'm, I'm hearing the lesson you learned is that if you had a good employment non-compete, maybe you wouldn't have had a litig lawsuit there. It might have prevented the lawsuit in the first place. But I agree with that. I think that the, the employee went to an employment lawyer and the first question they asked is, do they have an employment manual? And he said, no. And he said, okay, hopefully we have a case. So, and I also think like the one of the things is most entrepreneurs, including myself and, and Jeff, you've known me for a long time, entrepreneurs tend to be very optimistic. So we never go into a partnership thinking what can go wrong. We always go in there thinking everything's going to go smooth. Like I've been in partnership disputes too. I I, I purchased a business in 2013 and in that business, I took on a partner and you go in there with the best intentions. You think, okay, this partnership's going to work out forever. It was all going to be sunshine, rainbows and roses. And I think where the attorney comes in is they bring the other side of thinking to you. They can tell you this is what's going to go wrong. And they, they've seen it. They know what can happen. So I think that's the other lesson is, is you have an attorney tell you like these things can go wrong and those things are real. And this is how we're going to protect you. Like insurance. Like you, you never think your place is going to burn down. But that doesn't mean you don't have insurance on your place. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, the lawyer always comes and, you know, we're, we're sort of the you know, we come with all the the dark side, if you will, right? The clouds on the sunny day when everyone's going into a transaction and or a partner new partnership, and every everyone's happy and excited, like you said, and you know, positive, and and nothing can go wrong, and let's just go in and do this. But like you said, I mean, our job is to tell you what could go wrong, and to me, that's part of the planning process, right? Planning for you know worst case scenarios you know, likely scenarios in the event that something goes wrong and just properly planning so that, you know, everyone is on equal footing, you know, if something should happen. I agree, but it's almost like when you're doing a partnership, you know, you want that partnership to go well. So you don't even want to bring up, you don't want to get too into the weeds with the partnership agreement. And it's almost like when you're getting married, you don't get married, you have this woman that you love. And then you say, well, before we get married, let's talk about the prenup. You know, it's like, she doesn't want to hear it. You don't want to talk about it because you guys don't want to even plant the seeds that things are going to go wrong. And I think that's somewhat true in a business partnership is you go in there trying to paint from an entrepreneur point of view, the, the best picture. And you don't want to sit there and say, by the way, these are all the problems that can happen because you're scared you're going to lose the deal. And I think that was my problem when I had, you know, when I did the partnership um, back in 2013. I, it was the same thing. We had a partnership agreement from a general counsel who doesn't really specialize in those. The partnership worked until it didn't. It worked for a few years. And then four years later, the partnership dissolved. And just like the employment agreement, it was like, because it wasn't spelled out what happened when things went wrong. And I'm not going to get into the details of it because we've since settled and it's, everything's under confidentiality. So I can't really get to the details of it. But what I learned from that is like, you always have to go in there armed with the right agreements, even if it means losing the deal or if it means, because I think if the other person backs out because you're talking about partnership disputes, probably not the right partnership 
to begin with. Because I think you guys have to always plan things out, especially as you get yeah. bigger. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think actually something we say here that a partnership agreement is really not a partnership agreement. It's a separation agreement. And we talk about it as the beginning, but it's really an agreement for the end. It's what happens at the end. What happens when one of us, it doesn't have to be a dispute. One person has a change of heart. One person gets sick. One person, God forbid, dies. You know, there's so many scenarios that, you know, we lawyers, as Brett said, we're, you know, we bring, you know, we, all we deal in is worst case scenarios. But if you plan ahead, you avoid a lot of headache, heartache, and wallet ache. I don't know if that's a term, but it is now. And you're, and you're right about like when you go into a marriage, you always assume that's going to be forever. It should be yeah. forever. It's a good marriage. But every partnership has to end because you're not going to be married to that person forever. You never, you know, things always have to wind down eventually. Other things I've learned is you have to have clear responsibilities of who does what. There has to be, somebody has to have control, like 50-50 partners, which, you know, when I first started the business 20 years ago. I did a business before that, how I got into my business and I was a 50-50 partner and that worked out just six months because we couldn't make a decision. So I find that 50-50 partners are, are the worst in the world. Yeah, 50.1% percent forty talking to two of them. Not so bad. You're right about the clear division. It's basically agreeing on, you know, who's going to do what and how, you know, what are the rights, the obligations and how does it end? At the end, if we disagree, look, it's much easier to, and this is part of why it makes sense to do a partnership agreement or a separation agreement up in front. It's easier to talk about a separation when you're actually talking and getting along. It's when there's a dispute or something happens, or like we said, God forbid, someone's not able to talk, that it becomes a, you know much more difficult and costly. That, I think that's the big thing. I, I would think you know we haven't really touched on cost that much, but I would I suspect that cost is probably the primary hurdle for entrepreneurs to get over, you know, because uh, with a startup, resources are limited. And so one, one of the, the last place they want to spend money is on lawyers that are not revenue generators. I agree 100% with that. And I think, you know, as you get bigger, you realize that, first of all, you have the resources to pay for, for good legal counsel. And second of all, I'm going to tell you another funny story in a few minutes. I can tell it to you now because this is something I've learned was about three years ago, we moved from a smaller building to a bigger building. And I haven't I think Jeff, you, you know, the building. And in that bigger building, we put our name on the building and it overlooks at Biscayne Boulevard. And at about the same time, I found myself in like two really frivolous lawsuits, like really stupid stuff, like just out of the blue, things that they ended up getting resolved, but this like stupid things. And I'm driving my daughter home from school one day and she says, dad, how was your day today? And I'm like, you know what? Like, we got, we got sued. And, you know, I was really upset about this, and, you know, very emotional because I felt like it was such a frivolous lawsuit. It's going to cost me time and money. And when we were driving, we were driving past our building on Biscayne Boulevard. And my daughter says to me, she's like, do you think Microsoft ever gets sued? And I said, I'm sure they get sued all the time. And then she pointed to the building and she's like, maybe you're getting sued because people think you're a big company and you become a target. And it made me feel better because I, I realized that like when you're bigger and you're out there, and you're, you're doing well and you're growing, 
you do have a target on your back. So I think that's where it gets into like, let's figure out a strategy to prevent frivolous lawsuits and let's have a, a go-to attorney to go to, even if they're not on staff, even if you don't have a general counsel, having a go-to attorney who's like a generalist who then can work with, like, like one was a trade, one was a patent infringement case and the other one was, you know, some we had somebody in our business disparaged one of our competitors on the on a blog and we got hit with a disparagement lawsuit. So having that, the other thing, by the way, I realized, and this was great, this would be great advice for anybody out there, is having good contracts. Like I, when we got hit with a, the patent dispute, our liability contract didn't cover that, but it covered the disparagement one of officers. Like officers, I'm, I'm not sure of all the terminology, but paying for the right liability insurance to cover from frivolous lawsuits because the second one, we didn't pay a penny. They, uh, the um, insurance company picked up the bill, hired the attorneys, and I never really had to lose sleep over it. So I would say, like, go back for a second to the story with your daughter. She's very smart. Yeah, she is. <laughs> she gets it. She, gets she, it. Was, she said, she's telling, me she's yeah. gonna, she's telling me she's going to be the CEO of this company one day, and I believe her. Yeah, I, very she soon, by the way. Very soon, sounds like. She's, she's uh, super intuitive. I always get the question from clients, you know, can I be sued for this? The short answer is yeah, because as you said, right, sometimes the lawsuits are frivolous and anybody can sue for anything. The question is, what have you done in terms of your planning, whether it's contractual or whether it's policies or whatever in place in advance that will help you defend against that lawsuit or eliminate it you know, very quickly at a lower cost, right? And there may be some cost on the front side, but that's part of the planning process you know, in the event that something does happen and someone does decide to sue you, you know, anyone can sue for anything. The question is, what's your defense and, you know, have you planned properly? So, you know, that to me is, is an enormous lesson in that a lot of entrepreneurs, as Jeff, I think indicated, and you were talking about is on the startup side, it's a lot of times it's the cost. A lot of times people just don't want to bother with lawyers to me, if you're going into a partnership, you have an out by saying, look, let's hire a lawyer to document it and then let the lawyer come up with all of the, hey, this you guys should include this. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? Because then it's the lawyer coming up with it and it's not as awkward as, let's say, you, Mark, saying, hey, I think we need this provision in here. I think we need this provision in here. You know? So it's an easy segue, I think, or an easy out for partners for awkward conversations. Yeah, and I agree. I think when we entrepreneurs, when we scale up companies and we start to get the money in the bank, you do think, okay, I need better salespeople or, hey, I need better, I need a better operator. Like there's this whole thing where you're scaling up. You always need to like replace the people you have with better people who are more talented because you can afford them. But we don't think about that with professional services. Like you don't think about that with your accountant or your lawyer as much because they're not in the office. And I think One of the things I would recommend for any entrepreneur is as you scale up, think through your legal strategies, especially if you're in a regulated business or you're dealing with trademarks, patents, or anything that requires lawyers. So switching gears for for one second, and that is when you need a lawyer, when you decide you need a lawyer, whatever that lawyer is, you know, what do you look for in that lawyer? I mean, how do you other than you know, maybe calling Jeff for a referral or a name or calling other people you know, 
you know, what do you look for and how do you find, you know, these, these lawyers that you may need? That's a great question. And I think I, I do ask for referrals from people in the legal community. I, I, I've known Jeff a long time and he's referred some great attorneys to me who've helped me out in, in situations. So definitely not just going on the internet and calling the first guy that pops up, you know, getting referrals, but we interview them. It's not like we interview them. And a lot of times I'll describe what's going on and I want to hear how they'll do it. Like we always will speak to about three attorneys and it depends on like, you know, if it's trademark, because we deal with in our Vitality Connect business, we deal with protecting ourselves on trademark infringement. I'll ask them, what would you do in that case? And I'll see if it makes logical sense. And I like attorneys that are open-minded. I, I think you're always looking for attorneys, not to say no. Like, like if you have something, you want to do it. You don't want an attorney to say, no, it can't be done. It's okay. Let me figure out how to do it where it's legal. and. You know, so you want attorneys who have this business mindset. I also look for attorneys I just get along with. If you find yourself in a case and you're spending a lot of time with an attorney, the guy's just unpleasant or the girl's unpleasant, you don't want to be spending time with them. So I, I look for likability and compatibility. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's, a, that's a great point. I mean, you made a bunch of great points there, Mark. You know, the connection, you have to feel, you know, we've talked about this on other podcast episodes, comfort. It's the, the comfort level. Because I, I will, if you tell me, Jeff, I need a certain type of lawyer, I'm going to recommend who I think is an excellent lawyer. I'm obviously going to recommend someone I like. I wouldn't recommend someone I hate unless you said, well, I would never do that, actually. I'll take, take it back. But I always tell you, talk to them. And you, I know you do, you do this. And if it's not a right fit, let me know. I'll help you find someone else. I mean, I have other you know people. I don't like, I'm not a lawyer who likes to give five, three, three names or five names and have you figure it out. I'll recommend who I think is the best. Maybe I'll give you a couple other backups, but it's important. It's not, not even though you might have three capable lawyers, you've got to find the right fit and, and the right, like you said, the right mindset. You know, we, we talk a lot here about, you know, do we sometimes lose a client or disappoint a client when we give them a realistic view of the scenario? And I think, you know, you mentioned the idea of a lawyer being open-minded, you know, open-minded is one thing, but someone who's, who says, oh yeah, you're going to win because that, that's what you want to hear when you're not going to win, it's not going to help you. So, but I think you also mentioned the, the idea of a business mindset. And so I think a business savvy lawyer is going to give you clear you know, guidance on where, where, you know, where, where your risks are and work with you. Sure, it's a partnership in, in, a, in a sense. It's not a true partnership, but you're working together toward, to achieve an objective. And so you need someone you can work with. Yeah. I also think it's also making sure there are specialists in exactly what you need. So like if we're litigate, if we're litigating and going after somebody, which we've done before, finding a person who who's litigated and who has a track record of doing well in litigation, you know, like just because a guy is great at contract law doesn't mean he's the guy you want protecting your trademarks or litigating for you. Great point. You know, the, a lot of businesses and it, you know, you're in the medical field, you can relate to this, but generally people have a doctor like their general doctor and that general doctor kind of manages their health. And so that doctor <laughs> is the one that recommends the specialist and hopefully that doctors they're not the ones doing heart surgery on you right exactly 
But hopefully they're kind of, hey, point. when the heart surgeon wants to put you on some medication, there's somebody saying, well, wait a minute, he's also on this other medication. And you kind of need, people need, or businesses need legal, a general practitioner generally to, to be their guidepost. And we actually do that for a lot of clients. And I, you know, I tell the clients, look, call me, whatever the legal issue is, and we'll help you figure it out. And I know enough to not, you know, stay in my own lane. I, you know, we, we, at Best Amron, we don't, we won't do a patent and trademark case, you know, or, um, you know, a real estate deal. So you need specialists, but you also need to know who the specialist is. Sometimes it's not clear what that specialization is. So you need someone that, that you can trust. I agree with you. And I, we don't have a general counsel, even though I think if you get to a certain size, it makes sense to have a general counsel, but I think it's important to have a generalist that just knows the law, but he or she is humble enough to know what to know what they don't know and tell you when they need a specialist. Because I also think if you start getting in, what takes up an entrepreneur's time is when you have cases going on, having to deal with that. So like that generalist can deal with that and free up my time to growing the business versus my time dealing with lawyers and because that's very time consuming. Yeah, great point. Now, I wanted to circle back to one thing that you said before that we kind of touched on with is the idea of spending the money. Because I think you were saying that entrepreneurs in the beginning don't really have the money to spend on lawyers or don't think they have the money to spend on lawyers. And then it ends up costing a bunch more later. Would you say that that is that calculus fair? But if you don't spend it now, you're going to spend it later if, you, if you're successful. Yeah, I think that calculus is there, but I also think it goes back like on a startup startup where you don't even know if the startup's going to work. It doesn't make sense to spend tens of thousands of dollars on there. But I think once you realize, like when we started Vitality Connect in 2016 with Gainswave, we started it and took us about six months in before we realized that this was going to be a business that has long-term, that was going to be a successful business. And that's when we really started to bring in the trademark attorneys, specialists, because you know to do that too early on, you're you're using up valuable capital when you don't even know if the business concept's going to work. Yeah, at some point, it should be a budget item, right? It should be something that is factored into the investment overall because you're protecting, especially on the trademark stuff, but really anything, partnership agreement, contracts you know, that you're entering to with employees, HR policies, things like that are really protecting the investment, just like, you know, you referred to earlier insurance. I agree with you. I think every entrepreneur, once their business hits a certain size, or they have so many employees, they have to have legal because it's only a matter of time before something happens. It's not if, it's when. You just don't know. It's like you live in Miami. If you don't have hurricane insurance, we might not get hit with a hurricane in this year or next year, but you know, you're going to get hit. You know, and we've been talking about how, you know, lawyers come in and, you know, raise all the negative stuff or you hire lawyers for, you know, protection against negative things, but it also could be a positive. For example, you build a business, you know, and ultimately there's potential acquisition. And if you have the proper planning in place, I mean, for either protections, but also, you know, in the event that there is a, an exit that it's already done and planned for and, you know, if there's a lot of money coming in on the table, then there could be less fighting if you've already planned for something like that. I agree with that. I think, and I think that's where like your general, your generalist comes in because yep. the more, I think the one thing is the more they know about your business, the better off you are. Yeah. 
Yeah, the struggle is finding when's that time that you have to, you know, when is the time? Because you said you don't, you're not going to do it on day one. It's at some point when you know the business has legs. Yeah. You know, at what point does an entrepreneur, you know, bite that bullet? And unfortunately for most, it's too late and they end up spending more. And, you know, it's not just the cost. You know, I, you've been involved in litigation. If you maybe want to share a little bit, it's not, it's not just the cost, right? It's really the time and the stress and the pressure. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think going back to like, when does an entrepreneur do it? I think it's when he gets hit with his first legal challenge. It's like the guy who builds his house in Miami and then the first hurricane comes and knocks down his porch and he realizes, well, if I just had simple insurance. And I also think like having the right, like your insurance policy, having the right liability insurance. Like I think the most important, like what I'm seeing now with entrepreneurs, and I know a lot of entrepreneurs, having protections in case you get sued by an employee. Right. And I forgot what the name of that liability insurance is. EPLI. EPLI. Mm-hmm. Like right. we have EPLIs and because we have EPLI, those companies will give you a lot of advice on how, like they give you free advice on what to do. If like, you know, like we had to, we had to let somebody go who was in a protected class. And we had to let her go because she wasn't good at her job. But because she was in a protected class, I was very worried about how to do it. And we contacted our insurance company and they have the EPLI insurance company and they gave me a lot of great advice. And that prevented us from something happening in case we didn't do it right. So I I would strongly recommend entrepreneurs also have the right insurance in place. Yep. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yep, it's very important. Insurance, lawyers, proper planning, hopefully protect you on the backside from a lot of agony and additional expense. Yeah, a lot of a lot of great takeaways from this market. Really good, you know, planning. Like as Brett, you know, the ones Brett just mentioned, you might mention planning a legal strategy, using specialists, spending the money up front to save it later, and and using your resource. You know, I think a lot of people don't think to tap into their lawyer friends who maybe specialize in something else, but lawyers typically know other lawyers and they also know, you know, how, how to identify good lawyers and using your insurance reps too. So use your resources, folks. Mark, any parting words? One, I think you guys are the best at what, what you do, except I would never want to use you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Somebody owes somebody money when they're using us. So, yeah. so, so, so what I do is to prevent myself from, from having to use the best bankruptcy attorneys in the, in the country. Yeah. Um, and litigation, right? Yeah. Litigation. You don't, you don't want either of those. No. Yeah. You don't, you don't want it. But um, no, I think it's the, the best defense is, is having a good offense is what they yep. say. Yeah. So I would just recommend Great having point. a good offense and having it planned out. Great point. Great point, Mark, and some great takeaways today. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. How, how can people find you on the interweb, if you will? You know, so like, I think LinkedIn is probably the easiest way. And, um, just search Mark White on LinkedIn. It's um, Vitality Connect Health Gains. You can always email me at markvitalityconnect.com. And check out Mark's podcast, Health Hacks with Mark White. If you have any questions about today's podcast, please let us know. And if you like the show, please subscribe and leave some feedback. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Mark. 
For more information on this show and other resources, visit FastAmron.com and connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at FastAmron.com. 